got the Phantom of the Opera at the Royal Albert Hall, the 25th anniversary for my birth, or not my birthday, uh, for Christmas mm-hmm. uh, from my parents. And then I also got a little subscription to Broadway HD. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. For uh, how long? Uh, we're trying it out for a month. We're going to see if we like it first before committing to a year-long thing. Mm. And then I can always uh, share the the uh, password with you so yeah. that we can uh, get our full uh, use out of it. Because yeah. it's it's very nice uh, having HD quality instead of some of the bootlegs. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but like it, it has a really good variety of musicals, but it doesn't have everything. So mm. unfortunately, it didn't have six. Oh, yeah. But honestly, yeah. the bootleg watch for six was actually pretty good quality. Yeah, it is. Um, so do you watch the one with the Broadway cast? I believe so. Yeah. Like, they were American, so they, yeah, they were, I'm guessing, yeah. They were, <laughs> they were British queens that used an American accent, which is what we can talk about later, but... <laughs> what? They were British, like, so they're the queens, but they're using American Oh, accents. in real life, you mean? Yeah, like, in, in real life, they're American. In history. In history, they're, that, history, they're British. I thought you meant, like, the actors or actresses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched the version with, uh... Oh, are we getting into this already? Um, yeah, sure. So, this, oh. week we're ta- this week we're talking about six, but this is part one. So, I guess we're doing three today. And then three next week. <laughs> three! Uh, yeah, three! Yeah, we're doing the first three queens, Catherine of Aragon, Anne Boleyn, and Jane Seymour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, to me, they were the ones that I actually knew. Like, oh, I yeah? wasn't, I didn't know, like, I knew that there were six, but I wasn't too familiar with Anna of Cleves and, or is it Anna or Anne of Anna Cleves? Anna of Cleves, yeah. Uh, Catherine and then other Catherine. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't put, like, two and two together that there were three Catherines. Yeah, one, one with a K, oh, wait, two with a K? Mm. They, they change it every time I look at a different, uh, yeah source um, it's like either a c or a k yeah so like what i found what i wrote down was i wrote uh aragon and par with a c and then howard with a k because i think yeah that's what I, I, think, I did i think the costumes have the costumes have uh howard have howard with a k on her chest like a like a little necklace okay yeah kind of like an anne boleyn yeah um, what B. Did, yeah yeah um, um, so for the version that I watched was, uh, yeah, I think I wrote Broadway. Uh, mm-hmm. Adriana Hicks as Catherine of Aragon, Andrea Macasset. Yeah, Andrea Macasset. Yeah. Uh, Abby Mueller. She did a like a, an Instagram live a couple of days ago, or maybe it was yesterday, and I watched a little bit of it. Mm. Uh, Brittany Mack, uh, Samantha Polly, and Anna Uzele. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the first one I watched too. It was it's so good. I actually haven't I listened to this I listened to the soundtrack a couple times, but I haven't actually like watched it yet. So <laughs> and also, um, fun fact, the tour came to so they did a tour before they landed on Broadway, um, and they went through Edmonton. Oh, okay. Edmonton. I think so. I always get Edmonton and Concrete mixed up, but I'm from BC, so um I guess that makes use. Maybe not. You don't willingly go to Edmonton unless you have to. Oh, wow. Slander. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they had a North American tour that went through uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Ew, Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah. Um, went to St. Paul and went to Edmonton and Chicago. Yeah. Um, this is so weird, like of all places in Canada. Yeah, I know, but I guess... It is a smaller theater. Like, I feel like a show like this wouldn't work in a huge theater, because it's only six performers. Well, you do have the band. And there's a band, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll give a quick synopsis of six, um, for the people okay. don't know. So, summary. In a modern retelling of the, of the lives of the six wives of Henry VIII, presented as a, as a pop concert, as the wives take turns singing and telling their story to see who suffered the most due to Henry and should, therefore, become the group's leader. And that's the description from Wikipedia. Okay. Do you, how do you want to do this? Do you want to do it queen by queen or do you want to? Um, I would like to do it queen by queen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll go, I'll give a quick description of a character and then you can go into the history and stuff. Okay. Yeah. So Catherine of Aragon is the first queen. Uh, she's the first wife of Henry VIII, divorced in favor of Anne Boleyn. 
devoutly Catholic and almost placed in nunnery by Henry, and she's like the betrayed wife archetype. Oh wait, did we want to talk about the first song? Oh yeah, it's I, I feel yeah. like since it's since it's such a condensed uh, musical that we can talk about it also song by song. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's only like a seventy-five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so these are some of my notes for the Six Wives song. So the divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. That's actually like a a rhyme mm-hmm. or kind of. It's like a way to remember like the different queens. Yeah, but it was it was also used way before. Um, it's not like it's not a fairy tale. It's a it's like a something a rhyme. Limerick? No. <laughs> Did you hear? Her? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, mom, I'm recording. <laughs> in the middle does anyone want to try a jalapeno popper <laughs> okay okay anywho um, it's it's like a children's rhyme or something like that yeah was there like a a rhyme about Anne Boleyn's green sleeves yeah well my sleeves may be green but my lipstick's red yeah I just wonder where it comes from I didn't get a chance to look into yeah so green sleeves is a uh it's a Tudor song and it's uh, I'm sure if you heard the, it's in X Y a couple times. It's like da 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 da, like that kind of tune. Oh yeah. Yeah, um, it comes back a couple times on the show because it's like a very common tune, and like her color is green. They always costume her in green, um, and then a, lipstick's red. She's very promiscuous. Because even before I'd seen Sticks, I was interested in it because of the the Six Wives of. Henry VIII. I don't know if he would have been as interesting had he not had the six wives. I was like growing up, I had seen the other Bolin girl, the movie with Natalie Portman, uh, Scarlett Johansson, and Eric Bana. And like, I think I watched it at a bit of a too young age. Um, there were some things that I was like shocked, but I'm glad that I watched it on my own and I didn't have like my parents around watching it with me. Yeah. Um, because it was. Oh, a little bit risque um but yeah i was really interested in it and then ever since quarantine started we had started watching the white queen and that was about elizabeth uh woodville so elizabeth woodville is actually henry tudor's grandmother and so mm-hmm. it kind of goes from her down to elizabeth of york who's henry's mother and then down to him so right now in the series they're doing the Spanish queen or the Spanish princess, sorry. Mm. And that's about Catherine of Aragon. Okay. Yeah. So they have one of the the actresses from who I'd seen before in Game of Thrones. Mm. The problem is that she played such a like evil character in Game of Thrones that I can't get it out of my head when I'm watching <laughs> the Spanish princess. So that's just a kind of a little bit off putting for me. Yeah. So I have to try to put it out of my mind, but uh, I think our subscription ran out before we could finish watching mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah, and they take a couple of liberties with the real history there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, I just wanted to say something like Miss Clear, like, wise. Do you know Chicago? Yes. Um, so the beginning, like, the divorce beheaded died, uh, divorce beheaded survived. They kind of frame it in the same kind of way of like hot, sick, squish, Cicero, ah, uh, uh, Lipschitz. Lipschitz, yeah. Um, and I saw that on a couple pages, and I think it was funny to note. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It would be funny if they kind of did their own, like... Whew. I mean, really, the whole thing is kind of like a he had it coming, like, <laughs> they talk about themselves going. rather than, than him. Well, I guess it's, <laughs> it's, it's him through the lens of themselves. Yeah, I really appreciate it that it focuses more on them instead yeah. of him. And that's kind of how I framed my, uh, my research. Because mm-hmm. I was yeah. like, oh, you... you could talk about King Henry VIII for hours and hours, but he's not as interesting as his wives. Yeah. I find. But he's the thing that's kind of holding them all to, or that kind of links them all together. So we kind of have to talk about him just a little yeah. bit. Just he's, a wee bit. He, he's there. <laughs> he's there. He's yeah. not the most important thing. Um, I really liked how they were talking like, 
oh, this is how we're going to, or this is our claim to the main spot. So you have Catherine of Aragon, who's like, who lasted the longest is the strongest. So she was there for like 24 years mm-hmm. um, as his wife. Uh, Anne Boleyn, the biggest sinner, is Obbs, the winner. Um, <laughs> so she got beheaded. Uh, Seymour, who has the son, takes number one. She had a son, uh, Edward, instead of Edwina, which yeah. everyone was very happy about. Uh, Cleves, who is the most chaste, shall be first place. Uh, because I don't think they even, I don't think they consummated their marriage. They did, and that was the tea. Yeah. Uh, Howard, the most inglorious, is victorious. I don't really know about that one yet. Yeah. Um, and then Parr, the winning contestant, was the most protestant. Yeah. <laughs> Protestant. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I just had a good time going yeah. through that. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will start with I have to say she is my favorite Catherine of Aragon oh really oh, yeah oh. <laughs> sorry I mean I, I like her too like obviously I like all the queens but I she is my favorite but yeah um she's my favorite because I actually do think that she suffered the most I mean 24 years married to the king of England <laughs> oh, that. yeah but I will tell you why I okay. think that she did. So she was Catherine of Aragon, the first wife of King Henry VIII. Um, so she was born December 16th, 1485, and her death was January 7th, 1536. She was born to Isabella I of Castile and Ferdinand II of Aragon uh, in Spain. And she was betrothed, betrothed to Arthur, <laughs> Uh, Prince of Wales at an early age. I think she was like two or three when they were betrothed together. So. Wait, how old was he? Um, maybe around the same age. I'm not okay, quite okay. sure. <laughs> okay, we're he, fine he doesn't, he doesn't factor into this story too much, so yeah. I didn't really pay attention to him. Uh, he left, or no, sorry, she left for Spain. No, she didn't. She left Spain for England on August 17th, 1501, not on the eve of her Sweet 16, as mentioned in the song. Mm. Um, because her birthday is in December. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so originally she was the princess of Wales when first married to Prince Arthur, and he was the elder brother of Henry. They were married November 14th, uh, 1501, but Arthur died five months later from sweating sickness. And she had also gotten it, but she recovered. Um, so she was a widow at 16. Wow. Um, King Henry VII considered marrying Catherine after his wife Elizabeth of York died in 1503, but eventually decided that Catherine should marry his second son, Henry. Henry was five years younger than Catherine, and so they would have to wait until Henry was of age before they got married. Um, Until then, Catherine lived as a virtual prisoner in the Durham House in London because uh, Ferdinand II wouldn't hand over the second half of Catherine's dowry. So, yeah, she was imprisoned for, I don't know if it was seven years, but yeah, it probably was. Um, so her marriage to Arthur's brother depended on the Pope granting a dispensation because canon law forbade a man to marry his brother's widow. So that's from Leviticus 18, 16. Mm. Um, so that's the Bible verse that they uh, kept mentioning. Uh, Catherine testified that her marriage to Arthur was never consummated, as also according to canon law, a marriage was dissoluble unless cons- unless consummated. So she just said, like, we didn't, we didn't have sex. Mm-hmm. Um, she was married to Henry on June 11th, 1509, after he ascended the throne earlier that year in April 22nd, 1509. She was 23, and Henry was 17 years old at the time. Hmm. So there was a bit of a, an age gap there. Um, yeah, because I saw some stuff about how, like, when she calls him baby, it's because she's older than him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was that, like, one of the analysis of the... Um, do you know Genius Lyrics? No. Um, they're really good. They have... Um, not sponsored. <laughs> um, <laughs> they have like all the songs on 
but just it has all the lyrics, but then it also has annota- annotations. Okay. Giving like, explanations for what they're saying, why they're saying it. Okay. Um, uh, but like, you must agree, the baby. Um, uh, Catherine's choice to judge Henry's baby has multiple pur- purposes. Firstly, calls attention to their age difference, as Catherine was six years older than Henry. Um, it also shows her calculated frustration at Henry, as instead of lashing out angrily, she is choosing to be passive aggressive by patronizing him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just really loved how um, the actress who played Catherine uh, portrayed her, uh, mm-hmm. Adriana Hicks. Um, just like everyone's facial expressions during the play or not, during the musical were amazing, but I really enjoyed hers, especially during uh, <laughs> her first song where she's like, well, if you have anything against me or anything that I've done to hurt you, I'll go. And then she's just waiting for him to say a reason. <laughs> yeah. just, it cracks me up every time. And then when Anne Boleyn's talking to her about like, oh, don't be bitter because I'm bitter. And then her eyes just go like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Um, <laughs> I just love her. She's my favorite. Yeah. Um, Catherine was well received by the British people. Um, she was religiously dedicated and had a great interest in academics. Uh, so she made education among women fashionable, uh, partly due to her influence. And she also do- donated large sums of money to several colleges throughout her reign. So education was a big, big thing for her. And I think she might have been one of the most educated or that most highly educated queen of the six. Mm-hmm. Um, she was Queen of England from June 1509 to May 1533. Uh, and during that time, Catherine was pregnant six times. Um, in 1510, she gave birth to a stillborn daughter uh, on the 31st of January. Um, a year later, she gave birth to Henry, Duke of Cornwall. Uh, on the 1st of January, but he died within weeks of his birth, so he died at only 52 days old. Um, and when he was born, it was like a really big fanfare. They were like, oh, we've got a son, look at this. Yeah. And But then he passed away, and yeah. they're still not quite sure what was the cause mm-hmm. of it. And they depict that scene in The Spanish Princess, and it is devastatingly heartbreaking when she realizes that her baby's not breathing anymore. Yeah. And it's just... Um, so in 1513, Catherine was regent of England while Henry was battling uh, France at the time. So England also defeated Scotland at the same time at the Battle of Flodden while Henry was away due to Catherine's leadership. She rode north in full armor to encourage the troops despite being heavily pregnant at the time. Uh, she had another miscarriage, losing a baby boy to premature labor. Uh, in 1514, she gave birth to another boy, but he only lived a short while. Um, and then 1516, Catherine gave birth to a healthy baby girl on February 18th, 1516, and named her Mary. So that's Mary the First of England, mm. also known as Bloody Mary. <laughs> I did a, a little uh, project on her when I was in grade eight. I had a good time. Uh, learning about her and then when I went to uh, England with my family I got to see this little uh, or our tour guide was like oh you see that little mark in the road right there that's where uh, Mary would burn all of her dissenters and I was like oh geez (laughs) all right Um, and they say like I'm gonna give birth to Mary hi baby hi baby but it's like she's watching yeah I'm looking at at a picture of Bloody Mary right now kind of scary yeah, she, like she was born a lot earlier than all of her like brothers and sisters, or like Elizabeth and uh, Edward. So she was like twenty three or something around those lines when Edward was born. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anywho, um, in fifteen eighteen, Catherine gave birth prematurely to a girl who only lived a few hours, and. I think that was her last pregnancy. Um, so in the song, she mentions that there that she that uh, Henry had a baby out of wedlock, mm-hmm. um, 
and that's true. So Henry Fitzroy was born in 1519. He was the son of Henry VIII and his mistress, Elizabeth Blount. Uh, and this, or Henry Fitzroy was the only out of wedlock offspring that Henry acknowledged. So that kind of pokes at the fact that he had more yeah. out of wedlock <laughs> children. Um, and it also kind of hurts because Elizabeth Blount was Catherine's lady in waiting. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I mean, and, she, then, and then Anne Boleyn was also a lady in waiting. And Anne Boleyn, yeah. yeah. Uh, in 1525, Henry became obsessed with Anne Boleyn, or actually, the date is kind of disputed of when he became really obsessed with her. And she was Catherine's lady in waiting, but and like he was unsatisfied with his marriage to Catherine as she hadn't produced any living male heirs. And their daughter, Mary I, was the heir presumptive at the time. Um, but Henry thought that the marriage was cursed. Uh, he interpreted a passage from the Bible that said if a man married his brother's wife, the couple would be childless. And that's where she was like, you said that we would be childless, but look, there's Mary. Mm. Hi, hi, baby. Um, I think that's where it comes in. Yeah. Um, so he, he sought to have the marriage annulled, which started the chain of events that caused England's schism, that's a new word for me, uh, with the <laughs> Catholic Church. Uh, I, he stated that the marriage should be annulled because Catherine most likely consummated her marriage with Arthur, though she denied this. Um, and then Pope Clement VII refused to annul the marriage. So that was uh, tried to elope, but the Pope said, nope, our only hope, yeah. Henry. Um, and it was suggested that Catherine retreat to a nunnery, but she refused. And so Anne Boleyn was anywhere from 10 to 17 years younger than Henry. And I'll tell you why a little bit later, why it was like anywhere from 10 to 17. Uh, and so back to Catherine. Uh, in 1531, she was banished from court by Henry. In 1533, Henry declared their marriage to be invalid and he married Anne. Uh, Catherine refused to accept Henry as the supreme head of the Church of England. Uh, and she declared that she was the rightful queen of England and gained a lot of popular sympathy uh, because she had had like such a good reputation with the English people all throughout her reign. And they weren't too happy that someone was usurping her. And then Henry refused to give her the right to any other title except for Dowager Princess of Wales in recognition of her position as his brother's widow. So it's kind of like he won't even recognize that they were married mm -hmm. and only recognizes that his, her as his brother's widow. Um, she lived the rest of her life in Kimbolton Castle and she was forbidden from seeing her daughter Mary, but sympathizers uh, secretly exchanged letters for them. Uh, Henry offered both mother and daughter better quarters and permission to see each other if they would acknowledge Anne Boleyn as their new queen, but both refused. Uh, January 7th, 1536, Catherine died of cancer at the age of 50. Um, like, there were rumors that Henry or Anne had poisoned her because uh, they had, I think they had done an autopsy and they had seen that her heart had turned black or something like that. So they were kind of like, okay, that's kind of strange. But I think that was because of the cancer. Um, so the English people... Uh, respected Catherine highly and mourned greatly at her death. Anne Boleyn, and like there's different uh, talks or different uh, accounts of this that either Anne and Henry, like maybe just Anne on her own, but or Anne and Henry uh, wore yellow to her funeral in mourning. They have like the little slip, uh, slip of that in the show. <laughs> it's called wearing yellow to a funeral. Yeah. <laughs> Catherine was a massive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just love that part where everyone's yeah. like, ah, say, stop it. Um, so this could be interpreted in many different ways. So it could be anything from gloating to being respectful because yellow is actually known as the Spanish color of mourning. Mm -hmm. But uh, like... Apparently, Anne and Henry rejoiced at Catherine's death, according to some people. So I don't know if they would have 
thought about being respectful to her. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, Catherine was buried in Peterborough uh, Cathedral. Uh, her position as Dowager Princess of Wales, not as Queen. So Henry did not attend Catherine's funeral and forbade Mary from attending her own mother's funeral. Oh my god. Yeah. You could tell why she was like quite an angry monarch because she had to watch her mom go through all of that. Mm. Yeah, so that's all I've got for Catherine. Yeah. But um, I, I do think that she went through the most because yeah. she had to stand by him for 20 22 24 years yeah that sounds really like it sounds like she's a icon of her time for i mean everyone but i found this quote uh it's on the song in general um uh the song shows Catherine as a woman of considerable spirit and fortitude and she was indeed admired for such traits during her lifetime even her adversary thomas cromwell who eventually engineered the annulment of henry and Catherine's marriage stated that, if not for her sex, she could have defied all the heroes of history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who Tom Cromwell is, but sounds like a pretty smart he, dude. <laughs> he's someone within the court. I haven't really paid that much attention to him. Okay. I think he shows up somewhere in here, but I don't really... Yeah. 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 Um, so Catherine of Aragon in the show, she is... Like, so her style is inspired by Beyonce, Lemonade Era. Yeah. Um, so, post-Jay-Z cheating. Um, Ooh, is that what that was for? Uh, I believe so. Uh, I'm not a huge pop music person, but Lemonade inspiration. I'm pretty sure it is um, Jay-Z. How, how does one cheat on Beyonce? I, I mean, that's... Like, you're married, you're married to Beyonce. Yeah. And you decide to cheat. Yeah, so it's just <laughs> Yeah. Um so it's kind of the same because she was also dis disgraced by her husband. Um mm -hmm. very later on, but still disgraced by her husband. Um and then Shakira pops in there too for like the Latin influence because she is from Spain. Mm -hmm. Uh Jennifer Lopez, because it's a pretty dance heavy song. Um and yeah. Jennifer Lopez is known for like a dancer, being a dancer. And then Jennifer Hudson uh, for the R&B influence. Oh, and same okay. with like Beyonce and stuff. Um, yeah, it's cool. Um, so each queen has their own like different pop stars or like stereotypical pop star kind of archetype they're pretty getting to. <laughs> so this is like the um, R&B dance one. <laughs> Um, yeah, like it says, like, betrayed wife archetype. That was actually from, uh, Toby Marlowe's notes, uh, when they were writing the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think she is pretty much, she is a betrayed wife, indeed. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess, like... hearing about, hearing about what happened to her and, like, what she went through, it makes me a lot more sympathetic to her. Yeah. Because, like, she wasn't allowed to see her daughter. Yeah. After... And she was imprisoned, like, I feel like they don't talk about that enough in this show. Do you want to move on to Anne Boleyn? Anne Boleyn. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about Aragon? She's, we stand. We stand, yeah. As, as, much as, as much as we know about her, we stand. Mm -hmm. uh, the next queen is Anne Boleyn, uh, the second wife of Henry VIII, but headed after her infidelity, lady in waiting to Catherine of Aragon, and she's like the temptress archetype. Mm -hmm. The temptress. Yes. Um, so Anne Boleyn, she was played uh, by Andrea Macassett, and Actually, she's my favorite. Yeah, um, a little bit of Andrea Macassett. She's from, I think she's from Winnipeg. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's um, she is Canadian, I believe. Canadian. It's always nice to see like Canadian uh, Broadway yeah. stars out there. It's like it can be done. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, she's from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Okay. Winnipeg, it's very dusty there. I've never been. I've only been to uh, Albert, Alberta, BC, Ontario, and Quebec. Anne Boleyn, the second wife of Henry VIII. Uh, she was uh, calling back to what I said earlier, that they didn't know how much younger or 
she was to Henry because they don't actually know when she was born. Mm -hmm. uh, so she was born anywhere from like July 1501 to 1507. <laughs> uh, that's like this common scholarly consensus that it's in between that area. Yeah. Um, and then she died uh, May 19th, 1536. So her age could have been anywhere from 28 to 35. And there was a lack of parish records made it impossible to establish her date of birth. Um, so her father was Thomas Bolin and her mother was Lady Elizabeth Howard. I don't think there's any relation between her and Catherine mm -hmm. uh, or the other Ca Catherine Howard. So she was a member of the French court for a couple of years and was also highly educated. She did come to England in 1522 uh, to marry her Irish cousin, James Butler, but the plans God. were broken off. <laughs> because they're related? <laughs> I don't think that was as big as an issue uh, back then, but yeah. sure is kind of, no. Um, so she attained a position in court and became a uh, maid of honor to Catherine of Aragon. So she moved in with his missus. Um, she was known for having a sharp tongue and a terrible temper, exerting a powerful charm. Uh, one of the most stylish and accomplished women in court. There were kind of varied descriptions of Anne either being pretty or disgusting looking. Um, I don't know if it was just some of her enemies just being like, oh, she, she had a tooth protruding out her top lip or whatever. Yeah, that was one of the things in that uh, it was kind of strange or like pretty on the outside, but evil on the inside. Or you have the complete different one where it's disgusting on the outside as well as the inside. Mm -hmm. So it's very varied. She was sometimes described as a raven-haired sorceress with an extra finger. Wow. So that's that's where her uh, my sixth finger thing comes out of because there were rumors that she did have one. But anywho, many young men were competing for for her affections, but she kind of rebuked them. In 1524 or 1526, that's kind of iffy. Uh, Henry VIII started to pursue Anne. Uh, she refused to be his mistress as her sister Mary Bolin had been. So that's kind of the. Uh, the basis of the other Bolin girl, where it follows both sisters. Mm -hmm. um, there were rumors that one or both of Mary's children were Henry's instead of her husband's. But Henry persisted, sending Anne's gifts, letters, and eventually proposed marriage. And he tries to annul his marriage to Catherine, but Pope Clement VII refuses. Henry goes about breaking the Catholic Church's power in England and starts closing monasteries and nunneries. And this causes the public to absolutely hate Anne. Uh, they preferred Catherine. They blamed Anne for destroying Henry VIII's first marriage to uh, Catherine of Aragon. And they blamed her for severing the Church of England from Rome. Uh, Anne was legitimately the other woman. Uh, she's not well spoken of, described as not being the most handsome of women, sexually immoral and a seductress. And many refused to just call her queen. But she played an important role in England's international policy or international policy of her position and by solidifying an alliance with France since she had spent so much time there before. In 1532, Anne make, or Henry makes Anne the Marquess of Pembroke. In January 25th, 1533, Anne and Henry are formally married, but they had had a secret wedding November 14th of 1532. So this is just official. So in May 23rd of 1533, Archbishop of Canterbury, Thomas Cranmer, uh, declared Henry and Catherine's marriage to be annulled and later declared Henry and Anne's marriage to be valid. Henry and Cranmer were excommunicated by Pope Clement VII as a result. Uh, King Henry took control of the Church of England, the See of E, as they say mm. in the song, and separated from the Vatican. Uh, June 1st of 1533, Anne was crowned Queen of England at Westminster Abbey, and her motto was, the most happy. Oh. <laughs> um, September 7th, 1533, Anne gave birth to Elizabeth, which was the heavy blow to both Henry and Anne, as they had expected her to be a boy, but they still afforded her uh, an extravagant christening. Anne had three miscarriages during her time as queen. She had a stillborn or miscarried child near Christmas time, 
1534, excuse me, uh, in 1535, she had a miscarried son. And then in 1536, she had a, a miscarried son on the day that Catherine of Aragon was buried, uh, supposedly after Henry was unhorsed and knocked unconscious in a tournament. So apparently that was what he was doing instead of attending her funeral. Anne tried to make peace with Mary after Catherine of Aragon's death, but Mary rejected her. Mary thought Anne and Henry had poisoned Catherine and blamed Anne Boleyn for, her, for much of her suffering in her youth. Again, it mentions Anne and Henry wore yellow to her funeral and were apparently overjoyed. But in Spain, yellow is a color of mourning, so that could have been a tribute to Catherine instead of a slight. She was still unpopular among subjects, and Anne was blamed for Henry's tyranny and the inability to produce a male heir and the executions of her enemies Moore and Fisher. In March 1536, Henry began courting Jane Seymour, and he needed a reason to end his marriage to Anne in order to wed Seymour. I think he was kind of having enough of Anne at that point. It wasn't a happy marriage, mm. honestly. Henry announced that he had been deceived into a marriage with Anne and moved Jane Seymour into the royal quarters. He argued that he had been seduced into marriage by means of sortileges and charms and therefore should be allowed to remarry. There was this interesting article that I found on the... Uh, Uvic website that was talking about how Anne has been compared to a witch in popular culture. So yeah, she has like in popular and scholarly culture, she has been compared to a witch. Like despite the wealth of material tying Anne Boleyn to witchcraft, no extent evidence indicates that she was ever branded a witch in her own lifetime. So that's a quote from the uh, from the article. And depictions of her as a witch are more common in the 20th century in popular culture, not so much at the time. <laughs> this is another interesting quote that I found. Popular culture, too, has been eager to embrace this depiction of the Queen. In the 2001 film adaptation of J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, Anne's portrait can be seen hanging at the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Really? <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's really cool. But now yeah. I'm just kind of, I kind of want to go through the movie and try to find it. Yeah, like which Around portrait that... though? Sorry, I just want to, which portrait? Which portrait? I don't know. Mm. A, I don't know if it's the one with her having a sixth finger or whatever. It's what I see here that's on the genius page and it has like a, like a bee necklace with the, are those pearls? There's a lot of pearls. Yeah. <laughs> but also like, I don't know if the, if this is the truth. I don't know if that's a true photo. <laughs> Back then you could say like, oh, maybe those look smaller. Maybe give me a bigger piece. I don't know. Yeah, I always find it's kind of hard to think about how they would have looked like from their portraits. Yeah. And I know a bunch of like websites have tried to figure out what they would have looked like, but it just doesn't seem right. Mm -hmm. Like they just don't look real. There's a history of accusing women of witchcraft in order to damage their wealth and reputation. So Henry VIII's own grandmother, Elizabeth Woodville, had been accused of using witchcraft in order to marry Edward the... Oh God, is that... I.V., was that the fourth? Fourth, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the accusation of witchcraft was never brought up during Anne Boleyn's trial, so it wasn't really the biggest deal. April 1536, Henry had Anne investigated for high treason. May 2nd of 1536... Anne is arrested and tried before a jury of peers. So the charges against her are that uh, she's accused of sexual transgressions, uh, incest with her brother, adultery with four other men, and plotting the death of her husband. So the, the men who were arrested alongside her were George Bolin, uh, Viscount Rochefort, and Queen Anne's brother. So he was arrested on charges of incest and treason. You have Mark Smeaton, who was a Flemish musician and groom of the Privy Chamber. And the Privy Chamber, I had to look up the wiki definition because it almost sounds like they're talking about a bathroom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the Privy. Um, so a Privy Chamber was the private apartments of a royal residence in England. The gentlemen of the Privy Chamber were noble-born servants to the crown who would wait and attend on the king in private, as well as during various court activities, functions, and entertainment. So that's the wiki definition there. So Mark Smeaton was arrested, and he initially denied having an affair with Anne, but later confessed. 
either due to torture or promises of freedom if he confessed. It's unknown. Next guy was courtier Sir Henry Norris. He was another gentleman of the privy chamber and one of the king's closest servants. So he was arrested. Sir Francis Weston was another gentleman of the privy chamber and he was arrested, as well as Sir William Brereton. There were two guys who were also arrested or accused, but they were released. So that's Sir Thomas Wyatt and Sir Richard Page. In May 15th, 1536, Anne is convicted of her crimes, alleged crimes, honestly. May 17th, 1536, Cranmer uh, declared Anne and Henry's marriage to be annulled. And that same day, George Bolin and the other accused men were executed. So for, for, an, for a queen, adultery is a form of treason. Really? Which, yeah. What about for a king? Apparently it doesn't apply. Wow. <sighs> yes. So the punishment for treason for a woman is being burned alive. And for a man, it's hanging and drawing and quartering. Oh, wait, no. It's hanging or drawing and quartering. That'd be <laughs> a lot to go through. <laughs> um, uh, Henry changed Anne's execution from burning to beheading. Mercy. And apparently, uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Apparently, Anne was in a jovial mood, showing a, a devilish spirit as she walked to where she was to be beheaded. And that <laughs> happened May 19th, 1536. She was viewed as a harlot during her time, but her reputation was somewhat restored when Elizabeth I, her daughter, ascended to the throne. Mm-hmm. And that's all I've got for Anne Boleyn. Cool. Yeah, so she is inspired by, like, Avril Lavigne, um, the pop punk influence, mm-hmm. Lily Allen. Um, I found that really funny because the only time I know of Lily Allen's is the Fu song. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same kind of vibe. Like it's like cute but with an edge. Yeah. Yeah. And then Miley Cyrus was like the bangers era, bangers era. Oh, okay. A couple people that that played uh, Anne Boleyn, Millie O'Connell. She was the f- uh, she wasn't the first, but she was in the West End. Oh yeah, um, I know her. Yeah, she played Anne from. July 2018 to October 2019, um, performing most show, more shows than her co-stars up to that point. Like, m- more, she didn't call out that often. Hmm. Um, and a signature part of the Anne Boleyn costume is the space buns, um, oh, yeah. which she wore at West End Live because she, she thought they looked cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it became a signature part of the costume. Like, every Anne has had that part of her costume since then. And then Courtney Bowman uh, starred in Everyone's Talking About Jamie as uh, Fatima before replacing O'Connell as Anne Boleyn. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she's so good. Have you seen any bit of uh, Courtney Bowman? No, I haven't. Yeah, she's so good. <laughs> oh, who else was Kate Nash? Do you know who Kate Nash is? No. No? Okay, me either. There was some quote of hers that was, oh, don't be bitter because I'm fitter could be a quote to one of her songs. <laughs> Do we remember who played, or who was Anne during the, uh, during the soundtrack? So oh. we had Chris, Christina Modestu, and I think, I think that she was also in, she's been doing the songs for Treason. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's I so think, cool. At least, I, I hope I'm not uh... wrong about that, or maybe I'm completely mistaken. Yeah, she's, uh, she's in treason. Oh, okay. Uh, do you have any final thoughts about Anne Boleyn? She's a lot of fun. Like, yeah, I like the, her. In the musical, she's a lot of fun. But just, oh, it's like the sorry, not sorry kind of mentality <laughs> that gets me sometimes where I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. She can, the sorry, not sorry is cute when it's, when she's this character in the musical. But yeah. looking like hearing about her biography is like, oh, her saying sorry, not sorry, I guess because I was laughed in the face to Catherine of Aragon and yeah. all the people of England, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I really like her though. She's probably the funnest queen. Um, most fun. The most fun, yeah. I guess, yeah. Most fun. Proper grammar, Maxwell. Proper grammar. <laughs> okay, <Annika. laughs> okay, then our next queen is Jane Seymour. Jane Seymour, third wife of Henry VIII, died two weeks after bearing Henry his first son quote-unquote, the one he truly loved because of the son, and she is part of the good woman archetype. It's the second time we brought up the good wife. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about the good wife. Oh, it's a good show. You should look into it. Uh, I should. It's a lot of court drama stuff, but uh, it's, it's pretty good. So, 
Jane Seymour, the third wife of King Henry VIII. She was born 1508 and her death was October 24th, 1537. Her father was Sir John Seymour and her mother was Marjorie Wentworth. So it's funny because she's also related to Henry. Oh, really? How yes. close? They are fifth cousins. Oh, that's not awful. <laughs> it's, it's not awful, but it's still like... If you know of it, then just back away. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they didn't know at the time. I don't know. Yeah, but, um, yeah genealogy back then. <laughs> so they were, they were fifth cousins by both being descendants of King Edward III's son, Lionel of Antwerp. Uh, they shared, Jane Seymour shared a great-grandmother, Elizabeth Shaney, with Anne Boleyn and Catherine Howard. So they were also kind of related. She was not as highly educated as Anne Boleyn and Catherine of Aragon. She could read and write a little, but was better at needlework and household management. Her needlework was reported to be beautiful and elaborate. So she was the maid of honor to Catherine of Aragon in... 1532. She served Queen Anne later, and the first report of Henry's interest in, in Jane was in February 1536, about three months before Anne's execution. Mm -hmm. So she was said to be gentle and exuded a peaceful nature. Um, she was betrothed to Henry on May 20th, 1536, so that was the day after Anne's execution. <laughs> he does not mess and around he's just getting there they were married may 30th 1536 and she was publicly proclaimed queen uh june 4th 1536 uh her sympathy towards queen catherine and her daughter mary made her very popular with the common people uh, it didn't seem like she was the biggest fan of anne mm -hmm. she was never crowned because there was a plague in london where the coronation was to take place uh she didn't get involved in politics when she kind of tried to get involved a little bit, Henry kind of said, don't end up like your predecessor mm -hmm. as a kind of a warning. And that's very terrifying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so her motto was bound to obey and serve. Do, they, uh, do I, queens have to have a motto? Is this a thing that they all had to have? I don't know, because I, I knew that when Elizabeth of York was queen, her mother-in-law told her that she should have the she should have the motto as like obedient and penitent or something like that mm. then again like her mother-in-law was a religious nut so um yeah they didn't get along <laughs> very well i don't know like i've never heard of like elizabeth ii having one Does... or elizabeth the first like it didn't show up anything of like that for catherine of aragon but uh, she probably did have one. Catherine's badge depicts a pomegranate, an ancient symbol for fertility and regeneration, and in the Christian church is a sign of Christ's resurrection. Mm. Um, it would have been seen as a promise of heirs that her marriage should have brought. Yeah, so she had a promise there. Now I'm trying to remember uh, Elizabeth of York's because I'm now I'm just interested. Anywho, yeah. We got a little bit sidetracked there. Yeah. So Jane Seymour had a close connection with her stepdaughter, Mary, and put a lot of effort into her return to court and to the royal succession. After Jane's own children, of course. Jane didn't manage to convince Henry to put Mary back in the line of, of succession, but helped Mary and Henry reconcile. Mary and Elizabeth were not restored to the line of succession until Catherine Parr convinced Henry to do it. So that was still a, a ways away. Um, Christmas 1536, uh, Jane became pregnant at this time, but miscarried. Uh, and then January 1537, Jane was pregnant again. Um, and then October 12th, 1537, she gave birth to a male heir, the future King Edward the fourth why do i feel like this i'm getting is, some of these wrong what's the, is it vii no just vi vi that's six. Oh shoot okay okay see i didn't take i didn't think this would be a prerequisite but 
King Edward. Just rename different, just give yes. them kids different names. You don't have to yes. put Roman numerals. <laughs> yes, that was like the, who can remember all the Edwards and Richards and Henrys and whatever. It's just yeah. insane. <laughs> I was going to ask, so Henry's last name is Tudor? Yes. Or that's their last, okay, because now we have the Windsors, right? Yes, there may have been a bit of a, like, like, oh no, we don't have any more heirs, so mm. we have to go for a, a bit of a cousin, because you have, like, after Henry, you have Edward, but Edward mm. only lived to the age of 15, mm-hmm. and because he got really ill and passed away from that, and then for some reason it went over to a cousin for a little while, it was like J- Lady Jane Grey. And she mm-hmm. was queen for only like nine days before Mary the first usurped her mm-hmm. and was like, nah, I'm gonna take this show on the road. And so Mary was queen for I don't know if it was like five to eight years or something like that. It wasn't very long. And then Queen Elizabeth the first. And she tried for an heir, but wasn't really big on having a husband. Mm-hmm. And so she didn't have any heirs. And so it actually went to uh not her cousin but it was kind of like a cousin once removed so you had Mm. wait one sec so i looked at this yesterday so you have henry the eighth or arthur henry the eighth and then a sister and the sister was sent off to marry someone somewhere else and it was her grand granddaughter who had a bit of a rivalry with Elizabeth I, so that's Queen Mary of Scots. And they had a whole movie about that with Sir Ronan and uh, Margot Robbie, which I watched and I absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a, a bit of a rivalry between them, but then Queen Mary of Scots had a son who was King James. And so Elizabeth, when she died, she said that James was gonna be her successor. And so okay. he came over and then it got kind of weird uh, around there but that's the best that I can explain it yeah um hopefully I'm right I don't know if I am but uh <laughs> so yeah things get kind of mixed up around there um, um anyways Jane Seymour <laughs> yeah back to Jane Seymour back <laughs> how do we go back we talked about mottos that's how we got that's how we got about this mottos and then we got back on track and then I got mixed up with uh, yeah. VII and whatever yeah uh, Edward was christened October 15th, 1537, and Edward was the only legitimate son of Henry VIII to survive infancy. Uh, Jane's labor was difficult, uh, was lasting two days and three nights. Oh my god. Um, after the christening, it was clear that she was seriously ill. Um, she died October 24th, 1537, and she died at the age of 29. So... The cause of death was kind of speculated a bit. So it's either that she retained placenta or pure pearl fever. Yeah. Pure pearl fever. Jesus. Or a pulmonary embolism. Uh, Mm. It's still debated to this day. Um, But it probably was something to do with the birth. Um, She was buried November 12th, 1537 in St. George's Chapel in Windsor Castle. Uh, her stepdaughter Mary was the chief mourner uh, because they, they did have a really good relationship and alongside 29 mourners who would follow behind her, one for every year of Jane's life. Wow. Um, yeah, uh, this is a direct quotation. She was the only wife of King Henry the uh, Eighth to receive a queen's funeral and his only consort to be buried beside him in St. George's Chapel in Windsor Castle. So, was Jane Seymour Henry VIII's favorite wife? Here is some evidence. Uh, Henry wore black for three months after her death. Uh, He waited two years before he married Anne of Cleves, which is definitely not anything that he allowed for when he married Anne or Jane after. There was overlap between the queens, so. (laughs) Yeah, there was was a big overlap. Um, He put on some weight during his widowerhood. He Mm. became obese and swollen and... uh, developed diabetes and gout um she had given birth to a male heir which was exactly what he wanted and what he had completely desired uh from his wives 
Uh, and he was buried next to her upon his request when he died in 1547. So uh, she was Queen of England from May 30th, 1536 to October 24th, 1537. So that's just a little bit over a year. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. It's, it's crazy. And, uh, but s- somehow she was able to give him what he wanted. Yeah, that seems like it's really, if she had stayed around, maybe everything could have been different. Yeah. And wait, so she, when did she, sorry, something about January was when she announced she was pregnant? Yeah, she had, um, she had been pregnant around Christmas time, but then she had miscarried and then she had, she was pregnant like pretty much immediately again. Okay, but that's, oh, that'd be like, October 12th was when she gave birth. Yeah. So it's still like a month and a bit early. If she got pregnant right away. Hmm. So, I mean, obviously, like, it sucks, but you could have preemies and give and still survive. But if she, if it's in the 1530s, it's a chance yeah. it's a little lower. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and she had like a really long labor, so it probably took a bunch out of yeah. her. Yeah. Two days and three nights. That's just ridiculous. Like, it's too much. <laughs> like, like the more I hear about, like, I had this conversation with my sister, the more that we hear about, like, giving birth and pregnancy and all that, the less we want to handle that. Yeah. Um, a little bit, a little bit about her character in the show. So she's, like, kind of inspired by, like, balladeers, like, just kind of lamenting, but, like, strongly. So Adele kind of influences the first part of the song mm-hmm. um, before, like, the breakdown. Um, before, like, the, yeah, like, before she, like, Oh, I love goes, that part. Yeah, it's so good. But, like, before she goes, goes belty. Because Adele is known for being a very mezzo-soprano singer. Like, she doesn't sing very high. Like, she sings, but she sings so well. And she's such a, like, a mezzo-belter. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she does go up high, it's, like, with head voice. Um, so that influences the first part of the song before the breakdown, and then Sia inspires a breakdown oh, um, okay. with the high belty stuff uh, and the riffs. <laughs> I love, I love Jane Seymour. Like mus- musically, I think she's my favorite. Yeah. Um, and then Brianna inspires like the R and B influence because there is still a beat behind the song, um, and she still sings like in an R and B style kind of. Um, and then also Celine Dion influences the pop side of the song. Oh yeah, definitely Celine Dion. I had yeah, it's about like that before. Every honestly, all of your <laughs> grandma's favorite singers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. At least my grandma's favorite singers are like Celine Dion and like. <laughs> she Adele. likes Rihanna. I um, mean, yeah, I don't know about Rihanna, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a um, cool grandma. Actually, the so the version we watched, we watched the Brahmi version. Uh, Abby Mueller, mm. she has. Uh, she isn't the most famous nerve. Oh, I mean, she, she has, uh, she played Carol King, uh, in Beautiful. Oh, okay. Uh, in, like, it's a, it's a Carol King biomusical. Yeah. Um, who's her sister? She has a sister. Jessie Mueller. Um, Jessie Mueller is, uh, she played Jenna in Waitress. Uh, she's, like, really, she got really big the past couple years. Uh, have you heard, do you know Waitress? Not too much. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Jesse Mueller, she, she originated, uh, Carol Kane. She won the Tony for that. Um, so it's a very talented family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she was, she was also in Carousel. Yeah, I really like, uh, Jane Seymour, like, musically. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure because I was like at first I was like oh it's just a slow song after getting really pumped up with the other ones but when I finally listened to it all the way through I was just flabbergasted. Yeah I think the music is really well crafted in the show because I guess like it's kind of parallel the first two like the first two halves like it's it's a there's no intermission but like the first song is like well the first queen song is no way and then it's kind of like a powerful like I'm I'm my own person, and then it goes into Don't Lose Your Head, and then it goes yeah. into, like, this, like, ballad, um, and that's kind of, like, the same, but with different elements in the second half, with Anna Cleves is, like, oh, why, did, you don't want me? Fine, I'll go to my palace. <laughs> get down. <laughs> yeah, get down, um, and then 
Catherine Howard. She has, like, a fun song, which kind of falls apart at the end. Um, yeah. Like, like, on purpose, though. Like, it's um, tragic. It's tragic, yeah. Um, and then it goes into, like, this ballad. It has more R&B style and, like, I Don't Need Your Love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's really cool how they have, like, Divorced the Head and Die, Divorced by Head Survived. How it's, they make a parallel in the music, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'll just go a little bit over... Oh, sorry, I always forget. Um, any final thoughts on Jane Seymour? Uh, <laughs> I like the part where um, Anne mentions, like, when we're all together, they realize that Jane can't dance. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't... <laughs> and my favorite thing is where after her she sings the song, she's like, I died of heartbreak, and then... Because it hurts more than a broken heart. And then, then Anne Boleyn's like a severed head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it just seems like Anne has a bit of animosity for Jane, and that's normal because uh, they kind of overlapped as well. And it's like you're getting a bit of your own medicine there, or Anne. Yeah. uh, uh, Where she's where Jane is saying, like, um, (laughs) everyone says that he's like, such a terrible guy, but I don't think he is. He, like, really had some nice moments, and then it's like, yeah, like, there was this moment where I had a daughter, and then he chopped my head off. (laughs) She just keeps, like, cramming it in there that she got her head chopped off, and then... Actually, oh, there was something about this, um, on the Genius lyrics, and, um, so, like, on the annotation for You've Got a Good Heart, this is yeah. the most. This is the most positive thing said about Henry in the entire musical, sung by the only one who loved him in turn. Yeah, <laughs> and well, she only knew him for like a little over a year. So yeah, she, I don't think she saw the true side of him. Well, she was also um, she was also Catherine of Aragon's and Anne Boleyn's maid maiden waiting. Lady in waiting, yeah. Lady in waiting. So I think she knew a little bit, but it just I don't know if the romantic mm-hmm. side just kind of took over. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but um, out of the three, I still feel like Catherine of Aragon had it the worst because she was there for 22 or 24 years. I can't remember which one it was, yeah. but, and then gets thrown to the side and is like, like she's the, nothing. Like it's, yeah. yeah, I totally understand that now. And I think, I think definitely she suffered the most, yeah. um, out of the then, first three, listen to her next yeah. episode, but the next three. <laughs> Because Anne just comes in, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I'm just gonna wreck things and whatever," and yeah. then gets her head cut off. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll do a little bit about the authors and the creation. Um, yeah, sure. We'll just do this, and then I'll put some of the stuff I normally do in the second episode. Um, so, musical creation: Toby Marlowe and Lucy Moss were students at Cambridge University when Marlowe came to Moss with the concept for six after a poetry class. I went to Edinburgh Fringe, Fringe, uh, where. Fringe. Yeah, uh, so like it was, it was. I went to a French festival first, which is where a lot of shows go. Um, then they get seen by producers. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so I went to Edinburgh Fringe, where it was seen by Ken, Kenny Wax and Global Musical, uh, who put the show up at our theater in London. So the creatives are book, music, and lyrics by Toby Marlowe and Lucy Moss, uh, direction by Lucy Moss and Jimmy Armitage, and choreography by Carrie Ann Inquiry. Um. A little bit about the authors. Toby Marlowe has an older brother and younger sister, the latter of which played Catherine Howard in the first production uh, at Edinburgh Fringe. Mm. Um, she, uh, sorry, he studied English at the University of Cambridge, as well as being active at the ADC Theatre, a local theatre at Cambridge. Um, and also, we can go into this a little bit more in the second half, but he had to go on for Catherine Parr because the understudies were either on stage or they were sick and the main Catherine Parr was also out sick. So they had to give him a costume and, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty simple costume. It's just like tight shorts and shirt. Like and blue? Like, uh, no, they actually just do like, like, it's just like a studded black long sleeve shirt and like shorts. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, he went on for Catherine Parr and like, he did the full track. Um, and I'm sure it's easy for him because he brought the show. Yeah, that, uh, that would be really cool that you get to perform your own creation. Yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah. Um, okay, then uh, Lucy Moss studied history at the University of Cambridge and trained at Lane Theatre Arts and Dance and Musical Theatre. Six made her the 
youngest female identifying director on Broadway at, at 26. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Armitage is a resident, resident director at Almeida Theatre in London and an artistic associate at the King's Head Theatre. And then Carrie and Ingrui was trained at the Avril Earl Dance and Theatre Arts Centre and later, wanted, later went on to train at the Theatre Performing Arts College in London. Yeah. Um, yeah, have you watched any interviews with them or like seen any stuff about the Toby Marlowe and Lucy Moss? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, they seem just like such best friends. And also, <laughs> they're British too, so it seems so much more endearing to us Canadians. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any final thoughts about the first half of six? I can't wait to cover the House of Holbein. Because <laughs> it just seems like there's a big shift between yeah. the first three and then the second three. And then I always feel that, sh- like, the presence of that shift when uh, when Anne of Cleves kind of says, like, well, since he, since Henry had kind of run out of women <laughs> in England, he had to look further afield. It takes us to Germany. Yeah. Actually, I've, I've only watched the second half. I'm uh, sorry, I've only watched the first half. I haven't watched the second half yet. <gasps> yeah, yeah. I'm going to love it. I was saving myself for the, I wanted a more genuine response for the yeah. I'm going to listen to it. I've seen clips, but like, yeah. Yeah, it was, it's funny because the, the version that I used to watch had like, whenever they would mention someone, it was like Hans Holbein, and then it was like Hans Holbein, the younger, on the, on the like, uh, site, uh, whatever, the subtitles, Hans Holbein, the younger, from whatever to whatever time. So yeah, I'll be interested to look into that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I really I like the first half was a, was a solid first half. Um, yeah, it's really fun. Like we're mostly covering the songs, but like the scenes in between are just so funny. Like they're just they have this little interlude before Anne Boleyn that like who's that other queen? And, and Catherine O'Reilly's like, oh, there's another <laughs> queen. And it's like like the more popular one. I'm the popular one. <laughs> and Anne Boleyn's like, hi. Yeah. I like how, how childish she is. Um, even though she was, like, one of the older queens. <laughs> Who was Catherine? Uh, no, uh, Anne Boleyn. Because mm. um, she was, I believe... She was anywhere from 28 to 35. Yeah, which is pretty old compared to the other, like, 17 for Catherine Howard. Really? Yeah. Thanks. Uh, I wrote, I wrote, yeah, because I my notes for Catherine Howard. Um oh. But we can get into it later. Um, well, are we done? Do you have anything else you want to say? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you everyone for listening. And we'll yes. see you next week for the part two of six. Uh, <laughs> part two of six. Oh, part two of six. No, we're part two of the musical six. <laughs> yes. We're yes. not doing six parts. <laughs> good lord. Mini series. <laughs> but honestly, that's pretty. Like, if you want to make a miniseries of, like, about the six queens, it's pretty easy, because you can just do like, a six-episode miniseries. I don't know. Just yeah. sort of every now. Um, well, you can find us on Instagram at History in the Spotlight, on Twitter at History in the SP1, and our email is historyinthespotlight at gmail.com. Email us your opinions. Do you like your, like, any newspaper stuff? Anything that you think is relevant to us? Um, any suggestions for shows we could do? Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. We're in quarantine, so we're open to anything, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> you will be hearing this in 2021, so may we all be better in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.